Welcome to the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. This is where we connect with healthcare providers from various clinical settings to learn more about how they are leading through innovation, protocol development, and integration of evidence to provide excellent clinical care to their patients. Join the conversation with your hosts from Medical Affairs at Baxter Canada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. My name is Paulina Biotic. I'm a registered pharmacist and medical information specialist supporting the pharmaceuticals team at Baxter Canada, and I'll be your host for this episode. It's my pleasure to welcome Shannon Neubauer to this episode of iConnect with Baxter Canada, who will be discussing the topic of ready-to-use frozen IV antibiotics, particularly the aspect related to the implementation process of these products. So hi, Shannon. Welcome. I'd like to start off by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your role and your experience. Great. Thanks, Paulina. My name is Shannon Neubauer. I am a manager of pharmacy services in the Saskatchewan Health Authority, and you would describe my practice area as being rural, but it does have urban centers in it. So we have uh, six hospitals that I'm responsible for pharmacy services for. I've been a manager in the SHA and organized healthcare pharmacy services since 2007, and more recently came to this set of sites in 2012. Uh, In total, we have 193 beds that are composite of a regional hospital and five community hospitals. Some of those hospitals have um, a, a centralized intravenous admixture service that is a 797 NAPRA compliant room and that's in our regional center and we've had that operational since 2014 and then some of our smaller sites do have SIVA services as well or centralized IV admixing services and some community hospitals don't. They have distribution services but they were not doing any preparation of any sort of a prepared kind of product for the nursing staff to much of a degree. Um, so like our drug distribution systems include automated dispensing cabinets, um, a centralized intravenous admixture program, chemo outreach are sort of the sum of the services that we provide. Um, and I think that kind of covers my, my role and background and a bit of what our practice looks like. Amazing. Thank you. We're very happy to have you join us today. Um, that's quite a varied you know, population and scope to have both the rural and the urban sites. So during our discussion today, I would love to hear more about your experience with the use of the premixed IV antibiotics and, you know, your recommendations to other organizations who are interested in exploring this as an option. But first, I want to hear about what triggered the implementation of these products at your facility and kind of what were the advantages of doing so? Um, what made you decide to go with these products in the first place? So our whole organization provincially is one health authority. And the decision was made from one of the larger tertiary centers that this was something that they wanted to explore. But in November of 2022, quite surprisingly, I got three resignations from three technicians in our service, all in the same month. They came kind of inside of two weeks. And it begins to make you think as you look at how to recruit to smaller centers, that sometimes that only happens on a cycle as students are coming out of school and November is not the month and nor is December or any of the winter. So we really have to stop and think about how could we keep going forward with our value-added services, but maybe with staffing that we really didn't have an abundance of at all. So lots of things were in flux and we were looking for 
some some opportunities and strategies that could help us to continue to service our nursing teams and our patients. And so I reached out to the lead people who were um, helping with inventory for the whole province um, from from pharmacy services, and I begged, quite honestly, if we could go first (laughs) and asked if we could kind of get ahead even of the site that really um, spearheaded it, and the answer turned out to be yes. So that was helpful. It was um, stabilizing. I think that's more than anything that I can say is that, it, you know, whether you have a compliant um, clean suite, that's one piece. And if you do, that's fantastic. But staffing can be a very variable thing. Um, post-pandemic, and I guess I'm going to say I'm not sure um, that I see a huge change yet I don't see an abundance of people flocking to institutional practice when retail pharmacies can be more nimble in their hiring responsiveness, I guess I would say. What that meant for us was, you know, setting up a a plan for how we were going to get distribution here. We, our largest site is two hours by vehicle from the most local airport. So it wasn't coming from one big city to another small city. It was coming you know, via uh, an airport and then moving into a, a transportation um, vehicle that would be, would be ground. So we set up um, like a, an ordering cycle to try to determine how much that we needed and brought it into the regional hospital first. I know you have questions about where we're primarily using the products and we have, we've purchased four uh, different um, products from Baxter in a frozen state. We have both one gram and two gram of cefazolin and ceftriaxone, and that's what we're working with right now. So that was good for the regional hospital. We mostly have used it for our acute patient services. So we bring our frozen stock in, we thaw it on, on a daily basis, and then distribute it from the pharmacy services to the various wards. But what happened really quickly was um, it was exciting, actually. When I think of our smaller facilities that are community hospitals that have technicians and pharmacists, but they aren't big enough to have a central intravenous admixture program, they were very keen. And they were like, this would help our, our nursing staff. Nursing staff were also uh, facing shortages, and they really were wanting to be responsive and have something that was in a prepared state for as many doses as we could. And so then we did a second distribution. So as we order on our order cycle and the product comes in frozen to us in our regional hospital, we then actually distribute it frozen to go to some of these smaller centers and now they're providing more products in a ready-to-use format for their nursing staff. So it's been able to kind of help in those in those situations of staffing shortages on both the pharmacy and the nursing side. Absolutely. And we are partners. I mean, we're all here for our patients, no matter if you're a nurse or a pharmacist or a pharmacy technician. But it isn't lost on us that as we prepare product, we are, our nurses are sort of a secondary customer for us, but a really important customer. And, you know, we, we care about the fact that they are having struggles and, and the same kinds of challenges that we're having. We have to partner together. That's a kind of a prairie mentality of pioneering new things and working really hard together in order to make something succeed. Now, what was kind of like the change management that you had to go through? It's, it's a big project. So what steps were taken to ensure the whole implementation was a success from, from yeah. pharmacy to nursing to the patient? 
So we did early communication before we began. We did that communication with the nursing staff in collaboration. Our hospital had mostly been with uh, syringe-based preparation of IV admixture service, like program, uh, products, and this was going to be in mini bags, and that did not stop those nurses at all when they heard about this as an opportunity because they, like us, were worried when they had heard that we had staffing you know, challenges, and they were really excited that we had an option and an opportunity, and they kind of didn't skip a beat with respect to the products coming in a, a mini bag rather than in a syringe. Um, so that was part of change management. I cannot say enough about how vital and important the relationship that I forged with um, one of the reps, the Baxter reps, who was our local representative, great communicator, like Johnny on the spot, um, really good relationship builder and a really good problem solver. And so when you have those kinds of um, pieces in place before you even begin, you kind of feel like we're going to figure out anything that, you know, goes sideways potentially. We'll have that and, and sort it out very, very quickly. And then the third piece was working with our uh, main inventory technician, and she really took the lead, um, taking a look at what our um, history of use had been, talking about, okay, these are the kinds of things that we used to batch prepare, and now we have other things that we can do with some of those technicians. And that was helpful because we were short in other areas because we'd lost some. And she really took the lead on that piece and uh, worked, I think, very well hand in glove with the Baxter rep um, to talk about an order cycle, what day of the week would really work well, because we had to think about those pieces. It wasn't just it's flying, you know, these products are flying from a large center to a smaller city and it's going, you know, really in a local transport right into a hospital. No, ours had to then come in a frozen state uh, two hours down the road, and we had to coordinate all of that. So the change management was um, collaboration with nursing ahead of time so that they weren't surprised, um, discussion with um, our, our partner in our vendor, and then as well, um, a local person, kind of one person who could spearhead it and take charge of it. So it sounds like a lot of preparation went into this um, to ensure that switch was, you know, seamless and successful. You had analysis done to kind of help prepare how to coordinate everything, and um, and you had that support as well from the rep. Absolutely. And I, I think that... <laughs> You know, when it comes right down to it, change is always difficult. You wonder how, um, you know, as you, as you make your strategy and you make your tactic and decide what you're going to do, there's always questions about, you know, is this going to be a, like a big gain or is this going to be a little gain? How is this going to, like, how big of a, an improvement is this going to be? And to me, it, the fact that it, it helped us to shape like, it helped us to shape our capacity. That's the main thing that I think a frozen product offers. Sites that are maybe slightly smaller uh, probably has the same impact on a tertiary center as well. Um, you, when you can have something in a frozen state and thaw it when you're ready and maintain its beyond use state, you know, in that suspended state while it's frozen, you get some capacity that you wouldn't otherwise have. And that, to me, is the beauty of it. Um, we have to do things in a very innovative way. There's lots of things. In fact, we can do just about anything in a smaller or mid-sized site, but we need to have lead time. We need to have a little bit of time to 
sort these kinds of things out and products in a frozen state are that very thing. Kind of in addition to that, those benefits you mentioned, I'm also thinking about how the adoption of these products kind of aligns with Health Canada's Policy 51 on compounding as well, which states, you know, that compounding should only be done if there is a therapeutic need or lack of product availability. So um, sounds like it also kind of helps with that. Absolutely. And, I mean, we're all aware with the NAPRA standards that we have to think very carefully when we outsource, whether we're outsourcing non-sterile compounding to a community pharmacy practitioner or we're outsourcing with a vendor like Baxter. You know, we have still have an accountability as the people who are responsible to make sure that we've got the right quality assurance, the, the people that we can count on, and we've got, you know... W- we're, in, we're assuring that the product is going to be safe and effective for our patients. And to me, it doesn't change the fact that I know I have a compliant room and I can make just-in-time, but the problem is is that I can't always make just-in-time when I've got a staffing um, criticality. And this particular outsourcing piece and a great partnership helps me to make sure that I can have the right product at the right time for our patients when I've got a challenge with, you know, whether that's an outbreak, whether that's a staffing shortage because of resignation, or, you know, whether that's we're waiting to hire when um, academic programs are releasing new students. In terms of um, just going back to your experience kind of initially, is there anything that you would do differently? I don't know if I would do anything that different. I think the communication plan was great. I knew the relationship was strong. I was pretty pleased at how responsive and how informed the the, uh, Baxter rep was when we had a small glitch. We changed what our order day was at that point in time, talked to the smaller community hospitals to say you have to get ahead of this time and date to put your order in if you're looking for product for us to distribute like that arrives next week. Um, Paulina, we are a service that has, you know, for a lot of years been very much into quality improvement. And so we do not get hamstrung with it's not going to be perfect. We do a good a good plan. We you know began our, our our you know we pick our start date and we get ready to launch. And we aren't um, paralyzed by needing it to be perfect. We just need the right things in place and the supports around it. And and we're pretty um, what's the word I'm looking for adaptive, I guess as a team into problem solving. We don't mind it. We think that that's part of doing business. And it, you know, it's been a really good partnership because we've got a reliable partner. That's wonderful. Now, how long did the, did the whole process take there from initiation of the project to actual implementation of the premixes? I'm thinking it was, it was only about, it was only about six, six weeks or so in our preparation to to launch, a lot of that time was actually trying to um, lobby. I guess I would say with inside my own organization to be the first to be the first part of the system to go live. Um, I think we did a lot of lessons. Like it can work, and you have a you know two-hour ground ground transportation to add on to it, and then further afield with smaller ground ground transportation to get to our smaller sites. Then for sure. It can be a success when it's, you know, flying from city to another large city and the, the hospitals are in the same city as the airport. Um, oh, 
I'm sorry. I'm going to have to, I could go back and take a look. It wasn't a painful long time. Um, and I think we just, we did some lobbying and we did some planning and we did some relationship building and we kind of launched. Awesome. So, so what stakeholders exactly, who was involved in, in all the implementation process? Yeah. So we have a lead pharmacy team that provincially looks at these kinds of contracts, looks at, you know, outsourcing all, all sorts of pieces of inventory. So they were important stakeholders. There would be like the leadership team of pharmacy services, which would be six directors, four of whom would be operations directors, where it probably went to that table first for us to be able to go first. So they were stakeholders. Our local teams of nurses, nursing managers, pharmacy services personnel um, were very important in convincing people that this was going to be helpful and it was going to help to make their day um, more predictable and able for the right number of people who were here to get the work completed. Yeah, nursing partners, nurses, making sure that that communication flowed. And I, I think the place where we haven't been as successful yet has been in our home care and our home IV program, and that's because there isn't an abundance of infusion pumps that they have, and using a syringe-based product or for something that is a cephalosporin that can be pushed um, is the way in which they've, like they've operated. So I guess if I was going to say um, what would make our practice more consistent and we could have implemented it for all components of our SIVA program, it would have been working more hand-in-glove with home care and trying to get more pumps on board um, so that we could have included um, the frozen products, I mean, obviously, odd for the nurses to take to the, the patients, but, you know, them to be able to use them in the home care setting. Just going back, so when you, so you started first at one site, and kind of at what point did you include other sites in the implementation? It didn't take long. You know, our teams are really closely connected for lots of reasons. There's, there's friendships and there's, collegi- like, collegial relationships. And so we would have we would have launched, and it was the same month that we launched when I went. By the time I went out to the smaller sites to do my my monthly staff meetings with them, they were putting this on the agenda, saying, "Hey, if if the regional hospital can order frozen, we want to have frozen too. We have freezers now because we had we were by vac, uh, vaccination storing um, for COVID vaccines, and so these freezers now existed in these very small sites." And they were like, well, we can use this now and we can value add our service. It was, it was just, it was weeks, Paulina, like maybe three weeks. And we were then a couple of weeks later trying to, you know, include them and letting them do an order and us increasing our quantity. Wow, that seems pretty fast. Do you have any tips or tricks to kind of, for other sites in order to, for their own implementation process, if they were considering this? Yeah, I, I, I think that having nursing on your side is really helpful. And if you have a legitimate issue where you're trying to shape the capacity that you have and the capacity that you have doesn't match the demand, um, talking with nurses about that is a re- they're a super helpful partner when it means that they are going to continue to receive something in a ready-made form and not have to do that work themselves. So I would never, ever... Um, suggest anything otherwise than partner tightly with your nursing staff. I think probably every pharmacy manager across the country knows that 
uh, they can be your very, very best support and a really strong and helpful voice. I find most pharmacy services, um, are we, we tend to be gap fillers. We're looking to see where is the system kind of caught up in places and what can we do to fill those gaps and make things better and improve it. Um, this kind of goes hand in glove with that. I think that if you don't have tight communications between like different, um, and many of us who manage are managing more than one site. Um, if, if that, if those communications aren't tight, one technician to the next, try to work on and fortify that. Lots of reasons and ways to do that. Sometimes it's, you know, a direct order or a purchase of something that you have to buy a whole case of, you know, of another pharmaceutical and sharing is a helpful thing. Sometimes one is packaging for another. Try to find those ways um, to increase communication so that um, when one when one part of your system, it, it's sort of like I don't really have to push anything. Um, there's a natural pull that people can see how this would be beneficial for the site that they're in and they're asking and they're requesting. Sort of like I asked and requested from the system as a whole to say, could we go first? And maybe that's a bit culture, um, but you can craft some of that with communication and relationship building amongst your inventory uh, pharmacy technicians. In terms of training, who were the staff that needed to be trained and how did you go about that? We didn't have to do a whole lot of pieces of training with respect to the freezing process and the thawing process. Um, and we didn't have to do that much with respect to the inventory process either. We had had products that we had purchased in a non-frozen state from a provider before, so we kind of had that kind of experience already. Um, the thawing piece of it is, is I think is really important. Um, we thaw at ambient temperature so it comes out of the freezer at the beginning of the day. Um, we use a lot of um, like fabric tea towel kind of things to deal with any condensation that's coming off of them before we uh, re like overlabel them with patient label. Um, we obviously are not putting them in a water bath. Um, that information was very um, well provided by Baxter so that we had good guidance even though I think it really reinforced what we already knew. Um, we do not allow frozen products to go into freezers in small, small hospitals that have no on-site pharmacy staff because we can't then um, validate whether or not they've been thawed appropriately. And I think that's very important uh, for the quality assurance of the products. I want to say change is always hard. So getting people to trust and coaching through you know, this is going to be an improvement. We don't know how much of an improvement it's going to be, uh, but it's going to be some. And then it really just was one of those projects that kind of hit it out of the park. Um, and it was much easier, I think, for, you know, our tertiary center that went next in our system to launch on with some of the storytelling that we were able to do. And we do try to do that. We try to do it as a narrative. We try not to send that information when somebody is looking at change management. We try not to put it in writing. We try to do in-person or WebEx with an actual face and a story uh, because that actually is what people want to hear. What were your, what were your challenges? Uh, what, were your, what were the positive things that happened? What was a, a success that you didn't, didn't expect? And I should not expect our, church, our, our community hospitals to pull as quickly as they did. And that's kind of, I don't know, I have to say as a, as a leader, it always makes me feel really good when 
our, our pharmacy team, whether they're a technician or a pharmacist, they have their eye on our goal, which is great patient care, and they can see how this could be useful for them as well. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So Shannon, if you were to talk to another hospital starting this process of implementation of these products, what would be your top three pieces of advice to them? I think I would say that outsourcing, you know, with a vendor that you trust can be a really valuable strategy. Even if you have a compliant clean suite, when you have bumps in um, the ability with your personnel, your human resources, this can be a really a real saving grace. It can also allow, if you don't have a problem with staffing, it can be an opportunity to then bend and shape what those human resources are doing and making sure that they're doing you know, point-of-care value-add things for patients that can't be um, provided from an outsourced um, partner. I think we really all need to think about the fact that you can't just willy-nilly go outsourcing um, to anybody and say, here, you take care of it. You have to know who you're dealing with and you have to do your homework and you have to have, you know, the reliability of the quality uh, assurance that they have in their system. And then I think the third part of it would be that Frozen Products has really assisted us operationally to be able to shape our capacity to meet demands. And most of us who practice in hospital, and probably not different in retail pharmacy or community either, you know, you have a steady rate, but every once in a while, and sometimes it's daily, you've got a, a peak in demand that you hadn't necessarily planned or 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 weren't able to prepare for that you have to respond to and anytime you can have an opportunity to be able to shape to be able to gain a little bit more time that you wouldn't have if you just had made a value or made a um, just-in-time product yourself you should take that opportunity because lots of things come in from the right and the left that you hadn't anticipated and all of those kinds of pieces of having a reliable partner to do part of your product provision can be the difference um, in maintaining a safe and a quality workplace and state safe and quality products for patients. Did you have any committees or working groups? I would say that from our organization in pharmacy services, from the Saskatchewan Health Authority as a whole, it wasn't necessarily a working group, but it would have been a group decision made at the director level. I went to nursing manager huddles, um, and maybe we are, maybe we are just the size that that is possible. Like I talked about the great relationship that we have with the Baxter rep, we have really strong relationships between nursing and pharmacy services. We, you know, we get together um, at common meetings and common huddles. We know each other well. We problem solve together. Um, when there are issues or problems, we work through them together. And so it wasn't formalized. Um, but I think the bigger the organization you are in, the bigger the facility, the more necessary having a more formalized change management structure and a change management process is. Um, I know that, you know, we had a, a process of when we went live with it, we had a system in place where the nurses had a place to write down any concerns that they had, and we had a pre-planned set of meetings to go through if there were any issues. There weren't any issues. But those kinds of things where the nurses don't have to clamor to try to get heard or who do I need to talk to or that kind of thing, but instead have they know there's a meeting coming 
here's the actual mechanism that we're going to use to capture what your issues are. Um, those kinds of things go a long way to calming waters and have people understanding that um, that we care about how this goes. This isn't like we've decided and we're just going to soldier on, we're going to work together and we're going to make sure that it comes through well for the people that it's intended to help. Absolutely. I think you really clearly outlined the importance of partnership with nursing and pharmacy and an importance as well as early communication and planning. Absolutely. All right. Well, congratulations to you and your whole team for this effort rolling out these products. It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing about your experience. And thank you for sharing all this information with us. You are most welcome. It has been a really successful project for us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To listen to more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe to ensure you always receive notification. Please reach out to us by email if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. We look forward to having you back with us next time. Thank you for joining us for the episode of I Connect with Baxter. All of the opinions and experiences expressed in this episode are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Baxter Canada. If there are other areas of interest you would like to see included on future podcasts, please email those to iconnect.baxter.com.